0: How are you all doing? Fabulous! Great to be with your pastors, Carl and Jess. Just a couple of things I love about Carl and Jess. One is they are just their hunger to learn. They just have this insatiable appetite to keep growing and learning. Another thing I love about your pastors is just their passion, also to make Jesus famous. Let's love their heart uh, for the Lord and to want to make Jesus famous. You've given me a big round of applause. Please give your pastors. A huge round of applause. I love whistling in the house of God. That is awesome. Got to keep blessing your pastor and, and strengthening your pastor through all their days. I'm getting older. Anyone else getting older? And I have a lifelong regret. That is still with me as I get older. That lifelong regret is that there wasn't a Tim Cochran in my high school. I came to Christ at 19, raised in a non-Christian family. and When I was 15, 16, 17, over years 10, 11, 12 in high school, I had a deep hunger in my heart for truth. We would sit around uh, with a couple of mates of mine, Ian Slater and Steve Rankin. They were my best buddies in high school. And we would talk about three things. Girls, blues music, and the meaning of life. And whenever we got together, and we'd hang out together and sit around and chat. It'd be one of those three topics that we'd be chatting about and talking about. We'd have long conversations deep into the night, about why we're on the planet. Why are we here? What's going on? And the real regret that I have is that at 15 and 16, 17, there wasn't a Catalyst Church near my high school. There were churches. But there was not a a church around my high school that was interested in far near and here. I don't know what they were interested in. My guess now is they're interested in themselves. (laughs) Really not me. A kid who'd never heard the gospel. I only remember one Christian in my high school, Clive Proud, still remember his name. Never once told me the gospel. There wasn't a Tim Cochrane in the high school to Boost Clive and to gather us together. I would have come to Christ at fifteen. I would have come to Christ at sixteen. At 70, I was so desperate to find out why I was on the planet. And at 19, I finally came to Christ. When someone offered me the gospel over a 6-12 month period, I finally relented. Gave myself completely to Jesus. And I've followed him ever since. But it's a lifelong regret that I have memories from... Age 14, 15 to 19, of things that went on in my life and things that I did and things I was involved in that I still, at my age, wish I hadn't done. Been forgiven for them? Absolutely. Cleansed from them? Absolutely. But still looking back with regret. If you had been, where were you? <laughs> <laughs> I am that old. <laughs> If Tim had been in my high school, sorry, I get, this does me in because I think of kids in the school that you go to. There are John Finkeldys in that school that you're reaching. Thank God for a church like Catalyst who is not just interested in us, who is interested in those far away, those who are near, interested in in building something here that gives a a message to the community. This is a great infrastructure resource, but this footprint tells the community, hey, we're here to love you, to bless you, to be in your world for good. So I want to take you this morning um, to a story uh, that Jesus told. In Luke chapter 12 is where I'm landing in this very simple story that I want to allow the words of Jesus to come to us today and not just my words. And I was sitting there thinking during all the stories up here, I thought I hardly need to get up here and preach. But I think it'd be good this morning to weave into what our Lord would say, what the Savior of our lives would say to us in such a pivotal moment in your church when you're going for a miracle I'm pretty staggered your board and staff have stuck a flag in the ground so strong and so hard. and said we are willing to sacrifice and to give up. They're, they're leading the way. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm going to be bringing Carl in a couple of weeks and say, tell me you got to the miracle. Tell me you got to 1.25. Tell me your church rose to the level of where you led them. Because I think you have an opportunity. I agree with Carl. I, I think you have a realistic opportunity. To do that miracle, God. Anyway, Luke chapter twelve, verse thirteen. Someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, a "Yell out, teacher, rabbi, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me." Someone said, Where, "Wherever there's a will, there's always relatives." <laughs> Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? He just throws a question back at him. He says, I'm gonna get involved. This is got a go family squabble here. I'm staying out of this deal. And Jesus senses a, a moment here to talk about finance, about possessions. He sees a doorway and so he moves through that doorway. Then he said to them, Watch out. Beware. Be careful. It's a, it's a significant word not used often by Jesus. And pretty well, every time it's used, it's used fairly sparingly by Christ. Every time it's used, it's used as a warning against deception. It's, it's basically like, like the boom gate across the railway line. It's the boom gate coming down, the lights flashing, and the ding, 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 ding noise. It's a word that is to grab your attention. Watch out. You could be deceived. Watch out, you could believe and live a lie if you're not careful. And so this word is, is like a, a throat grabber, a shirt grabber that says, hey, pay attention right now. Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And and greed is is like pretty well all sin, all sin is a, is a normal, okay desire or action taken too far. Greed is a, is a sin where wanting something is okay, but then wanting it all for ourselves and accumulating it all for ourselves is taking it too far. I, I want this, and I want that, and I want, I want it all. Give it, give it to me all, and I'm going to store it all. It's all for me. I'm going to be Greedy. And grab it all, it's a normal desire to want a new home, a nice car, the the latest mobile phone gadget, the latest kind of deal coming out. That's a normal desire, but greed kind of lusts and longs to have it all and accumulate. And Jesus said, be on your guard. Watch out against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I love some of the other translations here. Uh, the New Living says, beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have, real life is not measured by how much we own. The Message Translation by Eugene Peterson, life is not defined by what you have even when you have a lot. That New, li- uh, new Living life. real life is not measured by how much we own. And this is the deception with greed when Greed gets a hold of your heart when the love of money wends its way into your heart and we're all prone to it. I'm definitely prone to loving money. I'll tell you, I'm definitely prone. I'm enticed by that money to love it, to hold it and accumulate it and greedily grab it all to myself. But here's the deception. Real life is not measured by how much we own. Here's the deception. We've been to believe that possessions and money are the source of a good life. We think unless I have everything I want, I won't have a good life. We also can get deceived into believing that if I've got everything I want, if I can accumulate and gather everything to myself and use it for myself, it's the measure of a good life. It makes me an important person, a more valuable person. And we can make the terrible mistake of pursuing things, thinking that's going to give us the life that we want thinking that's what makes me something. And we end up believing a lie and living a lie. And Jesus says, I, I don't want you to go down that deception because if you start believing that, you'll end up mismanaging God's provision. I love what Tim and Michelle said, that, that as you do this journey, and it is a journey of sacrifice and giving, you begin to recognize that this stuff is not my own i pastoring for 30 years. I've done a lot of funerals. I've never seen anyone take their bank account with them. I've never seen anyone take their title deeds with them. I've never seen anyone take their jewelry. It's not actually your stuff. I get to manage this stuff for my lifetime, and then I let it go to go to eternity. I'm a manager of this stuff, and greed can convince you, oh, I own this stuff. It's my stuff. And if you tend to look at your things as your things, not as being a manager of those things, greed's deceiving you. And you need truth to awaken within you. And Jesus is waving a red flag. He's lowering the railway, kind of line booms and lights and sounds and saying, hey, watch out, guard your heart. Because I, I think one of the great things that a campaign like this does It's not just about money. It is about money, but it's not just about money. It is about money, but it's not just about money. It's about the heart and what's got a hold of our heart. Because I have found over the years, the antidote to greed is sacrifice. Can I grab some water? I'm just drying up a little bit here. That bottle. Thanks. God bless you. Yeah. I... um, I found over the years, as kind of my heart needs discipling, as my heart needs shifting, as the love of money grabs a hold of me, and it has got a hold of me. Times in my life when greed starts, I just want to I deliberately move into places of sacrifice. When we were doing a, a vision builders type campaign um, for a number of years in our church, 20 years ago through the 90s, and we were looking to buy five acres of land and build a brand new building, move our church into a new facility and make a fresh footprint in our city. We already had a smaller facility, we want to get bigger as our church was growing. I remember Di and I making choices and decisions through those years and those campaigns of deliberately sacrificing. One year we decided we would buy no new clothes for an entire year. We thought a fashion will last 12 months, we're going to look not too dorky. Over a year, let's buy no new clothes, we'll just make a decision No new clothes. We'll utilize that part of our budget that we normally spend on clothes. We'll utilize that to help give in to what is our Vision Builders campaign. I remember over a number of years, I kept driving a dud car. Uh, It got nicknamed and the church eventually found out the nickname the Blue Bomb. It was an old Ford Falcon that that built huge chest muscles on me because it didn't have power steering. And he had to wrestle that thing around corners and we had a nice car, I drove the nice car, I drove the blue bomb. Our kids were teenagers and they'd hate me dropping them off at school in the blue bomb. Can you drop us off earlier dad, we'll walk down to the school. I remember one year it got stolen from our car park our kids ran out, car and kids ran out and said, it's gone, it's gone. There is a God, unfortunately it came back the next day, they weren't happy about that. But we decide over a number of years, we'd sit down every year and go, what are we going to do this year? Well, I'm gonna ke- I said, I'm going to keep driving the blue bomb. And the kids would go, no, Dad. I say, no, we want to make a sacrifice. Over the years of giving into our Vision Builders campaigns, Di and I have sacrificed significant overseas holidays. There are some years we could have taken what we gave and had a brilliant holiday in Europe, a whole month in Europe, fully paid for. We took that finance and went, you know what? Here you go, Jesus. Bang. The moment we're in a, another season of making significant sacrifices for kingdom endeavors, we've, we've kind of done like Michelle says, we've, we've trimmed everything off the budget. We're cutting back. It's kind of good when the junk mail arrives in the letterbox when any season, you just look at it and throw it straight in the bin. There's no point looking at the junk mail because I'm not buying anything at the moment. I've trimmed right back. I'm sacrificed. And you know what I find? This kind of liberates my heart. Kind of like Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. It's very easy in Australia to believe it does. But when you enter into a zone of, you know what, I'm going to lay down. What are you sacrificing for vision building? What are you giving up? Could you tell someone, I'm not doing this, I'm not buying this? Because the the things that are far and near and here over these next three years are going to be more important than me getting that renovation on the house or having that holiday or getting that new thing. What's your sacrifice? What are you laying down? And the fabulous thing about this, I kind of have this love-hate relationship with sacrifice. Because I kinda of like, I want that thing. I want that holiday. I want that new deal. I'm I'm even this year. Dear Lord, I'm not buying a new tablet, Carl. You gotta understand what that means for John Finkeldy, A new gadget. Ooh salivating at the thought, and I'm not buying it. It's kind of like, oh, Lord, how much more? (laughs) But I find when I'm in this zone and in this stage of sacrifice, it loosens my heart up. My heart gets freer from stuff and things. It does my heart good. I love that. I'm not going to enjoy not buying a new tablet this year. But I love what it's doing to my heart. And what's more important, really? A new tablet or just a heart that's fresh and alive for the Lord? You think I wouldn't even have to ask that question? But I do, I'm as human as you. I'm of oh, okay, Lord. So Jesus gives us this principle and he tells a little story. He told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He was already a wealthy guy. He'd, he'd managed his uh, life well and his farm well. He was already wealthy. He was already well to do. And then he, Jesus gives us an insight into this guy's thinking. I want you to notice the thinking that this guy has. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. In just a few short sentences, the word I appears six times. In a few short sentences, the word my appears four times. My barns, my surplus grain, myself my crops. This guy is all about me, me, I, I, my, my, myself. It's all about me. This guy is not interested in far, near, or here. Forget that. This guy, unfortunately, around the high school where I was, this guy was sitting in the churches around my high school. It was all about himself. I call this the... uh, the Westfield life. Whenever I go, I like going to Westfield shopping centers. You walk into I sound like a shopping holic talking this morning. When you go into a Westfield shopping center, I like it. There's a parking bay for me. There's lighting there for me. There's ambience. There's music playing for me. There are people who come up to me and say, Can I help you? I say, Isn't that wonderful? You're here to help me. How good is that? No, I'm fine. Let me sort it out myself. I go into a, a Westfield shopping center and they're, they're clean, they're pleasant the ambience, the colors, it's all designed for me. This guy has a Westfield life, a Westfield mentality. It's all about me. Jesus calls you and I not to a Westfield life. He calls you and I to a life that's following him. And what is that? It is a life of laying down your life. It is a life of going to the cross. It is a life of saying no to yourself. If these were just the words of John F. you could ignore them. But Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus is not to sit in a church and live a Westfield life. Say, I'm not going to make a sacrifice. Looks like the board and the staff are doing a fantastic job. Looks like we're already almost there. No need for me to think about it, do anything about it. My challenge to you today is what sacrifice are you going to make? opportunities abound. For this guy, he probably went to a synagogue. Down at the synagogue, they were probably raising finance for young Tim Goldstein to go into the Davidic College for gifted teenagers. There was probably the Rothschild brothers were starting up a center for people in debt. There was probably the MPAP project in northern Assyria planting new synagogues. There were probably all sorts of opportunities. And he just sat there and said there's no, I, I, me, myself." He probably had good reasons to I can't afford it this year, I'll wait till next year's crops. Someone else can look after it. Why should I bother doing this? I've carried the burden for I got to look after myself here. And then God steps into the scene. Verse 20. God says to him, You fool. It's a fascinating thing in the Greek when you look at the original language, it basically says, Stupid idiot. Now, I think that's quite an interesting thing for God to say to him because he obviously wasn't stupid. He was a wealthy man. You don't get wealthy by being stupid. You get wealthy by being smart, by managing well, by understanding how to run a property, how to run a business, how to do well. You've got to have that smarts going on. So, God wasn't talking about his intelligence. He was talking about his attitude his attitude towards his possessions, towards what God had provided for him because the story says from the ground came, from God's provision came this wonderful, wonderful thing for him. It's not that that the Lord was saying you've got to blow it all. The guy was already wealthy. He already had stuff. God was willing to bless him. But with that Blessing comes a responsibility. God says, you're stupid. Wake up. Beware. Watch out. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. You don't know your future. Then God's asking a question. Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It's a question I'm going to pose to you today. Who's going to get what you have prepared for yourself? Every single one of you in this church should do what Tim and Michelle have done. Every single one of you should do what my wife and I have done over decades now, is sit down with our budget, work out what can we trim, what can we sacrifice, what can we give up. Okay, Lord, Lord, we can do this we give it all to you we surrender it over to you and then I love Tim and Michelle's heart okay God what are you going to (laughs) do we're in this together if we're going down you're going down with us what can you do Lord where's the miracle factor where's the faith factor where's the stretch where's the God I'm going to believe for you to come through and Lord this is what we can do Lord I'm going to believe you to do this What an adventure. In in Australia, we live such blessed lives. I go to Africa every year. Been going for the last 13, 14 years, every year of my life. Just love it over there. I go into situations that are deep poverty. Every time I come home and read the letters to the editor in the paper, I want to ring people up and say, get a life. We are so blessed in this country. And sometimes our life can be too safe And I think these sort of vision builder moments give us a chance to say, God, this is what I can do, but God, I'm going to believe you for this. God, I'm going to step out. I'm going to expect you to come through. God, this is an adventure. I'm going to watch how you do this. You might be a a new Christian and you're going to think, oh, I've never done this before. What an adventure in life to take a step out with Jesus. Some of you might be an older Christian like me. You might be getting a bit gnarly and long in the tooth in the faith. Oh, no, heard all this before. Stop doing that years ago. The young people can do it. Come on, don't have that attitude. Don't get gnarly and old and grumpy. Take a risk for Jesus. Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. And it's okay to store up things for yourself if you are rich towards God. The story is about not having any savings or not having any superannuation or not kind of looking after yourself in terms of financial intelligence, but it's about combining that with a rich heart of generosity towards the Lord. Have we got that picture, guys? Can we throw that picture up for me we're good to go with that let's throw that picture up on all the three screens if you can this is my first grandson Jack Uh, he's nearly four and he is he is the cutest cutest kid on the planet and you may have grandchildren they're wonderful but not as wonderful as this boy I took this picture a couple of weeks ago I I took Jack to my library Uh, I don't go there very often now I download digital books from my library which is so cool to do I thought I'll take Jack down to my library for an outing with granddad and we'll borrow some books and so Jack was kind of beside himself going to granddad's library because he has a little library he goes to with his mom and so we go to our library and he gets books and then he says granddad DVDs he says it like that DVDs and so we've got to get DVDs so in libraries today, they have DVDs, it's amazing, CDs, crazy. I remember that when I was a kid, and we go over, and we borrow a couple of DVDs, a couple of books, and we put them through the scanner, and he's just loving it, and I get a library bag that cost me a dollar. Damn. Council could give them away for free anyway. I'm happy to pay, whatever. And there's Jack, he's got his library bag, and he's just beaming with excitement. He wouldn't stand still for me to take a picture, he kept running around the library, which is a no-no, but anyway, whatever. My grandson, I snapped that picture of this beautiful young boy. This gorgeous grandson of mine goes to our building that we built because I drove a blue bomb and I gave up holidays, gave up clothes, well, not gave up clothes, but (laughs) wouldn't be a good career move. He goes to this building three times a week twice for the kindy play program we have in our church. It has heaps of unchurched people coming to it. He goes to that, and he goes there on Sundays. Last year, as a little three-year-old, gave his life to Jesus. Oh, sorry, I can't stop getting emotional. He won't have to go to a high school wondering if Tim Cochran will turn up. Because there were people in our church who said, we're going to reach every kid we can, every young person we can. We're going to do everything we can. That the generations yet to come would have a place. I, I don't want Jack in a building that feels like it's from the 1950s and looks like it's from the 1950s. I want Jack in a building that feels... Brilliant for his generation. I'm happy to spend money on buildings and give to building programs in our church as the years go on as we renovate because I want him coming to church going, this is awesome, Granddad. And one day I'm going to take Jack around our church and tell him I built the whole thing. Slight exaggeration, but as he gets older, I'm going to tell him the story of my sacrifice, of Diane's sacrifice. And I'm going to lead him in the way of the Finkeldies. Where when this sort of campaign is on in our church, we are still members of our church, even though we're not pastoring it. And we give every year into our vision builders. Because I will not let a year go by where I do not sacrifice to the Lord. Why not you close your eyes where you're sitting this morning. In fact, I want you to, actually open your eyes and grab one of these pledge cards. They're on your seats around about. I want everyone to hold one. I want you to grab one. Find one around you somewhere. I want you to hold a pledge card in your hand. Make sure you've got one. If you haven't got one, scuttle along the row, find one. I want everyone to hold one. Everyone to be holding a pledge card. They're kind of good as a fan if you're a bit warm. They're good for a bookmark. But above everything else, this is a weapon of war. When you fill this in, you are making a distinct blow to the enemy. Your sacrifice on this card that you put in either today or next week, you do it online. When you fill this in, you're making, taking this weapon of war and saying, I am making a sacrifice because far near, and here matters to me more than the accumulation of my stuff. Why don't you hold that card and close your eyes. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, I'm asking that the story that you told 2,000 years ago would ring in our hearts. That as we have an opportunity to reject the Westfield life, And to follow you and take up the Jesus life in a life of sacrifice and commitment. I'm praying for every single person here that some have already decided huge sacrifices. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for the heart that has been developed and guarded and grown through that sacrifice. Lord, I'm praying for people who have not yet decided, or maybe even decided, I'm not going to make a sacrifice. I'm praying for them, Jesus that your words will echo long in their hearts, that they will make a brilliant decision this week to lay down something they treasure, to be rich towards you, to be generous towards their church. Holy Spirit, give us grace to follow Jesus. Give us an ability to follow the Son of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, God.